Numbers chapter number 22, verse number 16 is where we're going to start here this morning. Numbers chapter 22, verse number 16. And uh, we're just going to read two verses. And then we're going to get back into the story and then kind of make it all fit here. Um, Numbers chapter 22, verse 16. The Bible says, And they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus saith Balak, the son of Zippor, let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me, for I will promote thee unto very great honor, and I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come, therefore, I pray thee, and this is what he wanted from him as, the, as God's prophet, I, I want you to do this. Curse me this people. He's talking about the children of Israel. And Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold... I cannot go beyond the, beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Thank you, Lord, for this, your word. I pray that you help us to understand what the word of God has to say about integrity. Lord, uh, there are uh, men who have been um, purchased. They've been bought off. There have been uh, favors or bribes or... or uh, preferential treatment or whatever and and because of those things they have they have put away integrity they've put away righteousness and so lord i pray that you'd help us to understand that although it's been stated many many times that every man has a price lord i pray that you help us to see the truth of the matter and lord i pray that you help us to see uh, the lesson in uh, balaam as he uh, was tempted was was offered a price to do something that was contrary to your will lord i pray that you help us to see what had taken place in this story and how and what what it means to us and and to to determine what my price is what our price is and so lord i pray that you just bless bless and all that's said and done here this morning we ask this in jesus name amen <clears throat> so every man has a price Really? The story here that we're uh, going over is when um, Balak, the king, comes to Balaam, uh, someone who was supposed to be one of God's priests and, and uh, was or a prophet of God, and he was um, tempted, he was paid to go contrary to God's will, contrary to God's desire, and that is curse God's people. The children of Israel were passing through the land, and they were afraid, and he was afraid. He didn't, he didn't uh, take the, the, the uh, promises that God's people made, which was, hey, don't worry about it. We're just going to go, go through. We're not going to bother anything. We'll pay for whatever we have. And they were worried about a revolt, or may, maybe they would come in and, and overtake us. And so they fought against them. They tried to keep them out. They tried to, to uh, uh, make it hard for the children of Israel. So he came to Balaam to pay him to curse Israel. And that, of course, was not God's will at all. That was not God's desire. He was paid to do something wrong. And uh, so he came to this man, Balaam, and he offered him a price. Does every man have a price? That has been said, it's been repeated over the centuries, but fidelity to God has no price. See, that was the accusation that Satan had against Job. You remember the story in Job chapter 1, verse number 8? It says here, 
And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth? A perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and, and escheweth evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Is he serving you for nothing? Is it just because he loves you? Is that, is, that, is that the reason? Does, does Job fear God for nothing? He goes on to accuse God. He says, this is why he's fearing you, serving you. This is why he's faithful to you. Hast thou not made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? He says, you've protected him, God. That's why he's serving you. That's why he's fearing you and on your side because of your hedge, because of your protection on every side. I can't get into him. Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. What a charge. He says, God, you've protected him, you've blessed him, you've prospered him. Take away those blessings and he's going to crack. He won't stay faithful to you. He'll curse you to your face. Let's see how much he loves you then if you remove those blessings. His price is in his blessing, his things, his family, his wealth. What a charge. He's saying, God, every man has a price, and Job has a price. Look at, he's blessed. He's one of the richest men of the East. He's prosperous. He's, he's got honor. He's got everything that, that you've protected him, and, and you've prospered him in, in every way. Take those things away, and you'll find out that he'll curse you. Well, you know the story. We're not going to be in the book of Job, but uh, there he goes. He's allowed to just go so far and remove those things. Says you can go as far as that, don't touch the man Job. He then Satan destroyed his his uh, wealth, took away the, the cattle and the sheep and the and the, the uh, uh, riches that he had, destroyed everything. I mean, took everything away, even his children. And then again in Job chapter two, verse number three, after Job passes the test, he comes with another accusation. He says, no, no, God, every man has a price. You see, you didn't let me touch him, but if you do that, that's what he says here. And the Lord said unto Satan, how about that? Pass the test. You said he had a price. You said he'd curse me to my face. He didn't. He praised me. He stayed faithful. He retained his integrity. Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil, and still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, and I could just almost hear it the way that, that this serpent would, would say this, skin for skin. Yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh and he will curse thee to thy face. There it goes again. Same accusation. Every man has a price. 
And listen, if you make it painful enough, if you, if you take away his blessings, you remove his comfort, take away his health, it's going to be over then, God. Satan was clearly stating that every man has a price. Really? You know what? Job passed that test. Wow. Let me ask you the question on the onset of this message. What is your price? If, if this conversation were to be made over you, and you don't know what's going on, this is a conversation between Satan and God, but if the conversation was about, uh, about you, what is your price? What is my price? Would it be setback? I mean, uh, we, we certainly live in a, in a blessed land, and, and there's prosperity everywhere. No kidding, folks. We, we, don't, we don't even have a clue as to, to our, our wealth, the opulence, the, 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 the blessings of this nation. Just living in, the, the, the poorest of this nation is living better than most of the world. And God has blessed us. And God is, I know that God has blessed you and I, and, and, and we have. We, we're, we, are, we are blessed. Folks, we're blessed with so many things. But if, if God were to, to remove those things, would that change your attitude towards him, your fidelity towards God? If, if there would be some kind of loss in your life, would that be the price? Would that be where you would crack? Would that be where I would throw in the towel? How about some pain or sickness? Maybe in some loss where there's grief that you're facing that you can't stand and you're going through that. Some disappointment in your life. Will you forsake the Lord? Will you turn on him? Are you going to get bitter against God? Folks, I see it all the time. All the time. We'll see the price offered to Balaam in our text and his response and what took place when here he's tempted to do something wrong and said, curse the people of God. And at first he says, I can't. I mean, whatever God tells me, that's what I'm going to say. Whatever God wants, that's what I'm going to repeat. Balak wanted to curse God's people because he was worried about their safety or whatever. He didn't trust the people of God, didn't trust God. So he sent that delegation to employ Balaam. And you know what? We don't have time to read the whole story here. Um, so we're, we're just going to kind of skip that. You can read it all together. But uh, this is, it's a, one, of the, one of the coolest parts of the Bible that I've ever, what a great story. I mean, what a great story. Uh, let's take a look at Numbers chapter 22, verse 12. And God said unto Balaam, um, this is when he goes to uh, uh, God and he says, God, what do you want me to do? He wants me to curse God's people. And so God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Okay, now is there any ambiguous, ambiguous aspect to that? I mean, is it clear or is it not clear? When God says, He says, Can I go with these people and, and curse God's, you know, uh, God's people? And God, what do you want me to do? Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not. Curse the people, for they are blessed. That's God's will. Very clear, very straightforward, no question about it. Is there any wiggle room there? No, it's just absolutely, this is what God says, this is his will. 
Balaam, ro and Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes of Balak, Get you into your land, for the Lord refuseth to give me leave to go with you. He says, I can't go. There's no way. I mean, God made it clear, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Verse 14. And the princes of Moab rose up. They went back to Balak and said, Balaam refuseth to come with us. But he's not done yet. I mean, he's determined. You know what? He thought, as Satan thought, every man has a price. Actually, it paid off in this situation, but that's what he thought about Balaam. And Balak, in verse 15, sent yet again princes more and more honorable than they. And they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus saith Balak, the son of Zippor, Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me, thee from coming unto me, for I will promote thee unto very great honor, and I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. And Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Wow, now that's a, that's a real good response, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's solid. And you hear what, what uh, uh, Balaam says here. He says, I can't do it. It doesn't matter what you give me. If you gave me a, your house full of silver and gold, it wouldn't, wouldn't change the, the, uh, the outcome. It wouldn't change the answer. I can't, I, I can't go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. It seemed to me that Balaam was obedient to God until you kind of read on and you take in the color of Numbers chapter 22, verse 19. And this is, <laughs> this is after God made it extremely clear. This is what he tells those people. He goes on to say, Now therefore, I pray you, tarry ye also here this night, that I may know what the Lord will say unto me more. Now wait a minute, wait a minute. Did he not know? Of course he knew. <clears throat> was it not clear? It was clear. There was no doubt about it. God made it clear. God laid it out. It was black and white. There's there's no uh, question. There was no question at all. But what is what, what is Balaam doing here? <clears throat> he's he's looking at whatever it was that they're offering, and he said, "Now that is quite a, that is quite a, a salary right there." You know, and, and uh, you know, if, if God did allow me to whatever, and so he's thinking that way, and, and so he says, okay, well, l let me try. So, you know what, maybe they didn't understand it. So I can know for sure that I may know what the Lord was saying to me more. Maybe there's some more that God wants to, and he'll, he'll uh, uh, you know, uh, fudge on this. This was after clear instructions of God. Is there a question? Of course not. There was no question. Was it unclear? No. He just wanted to see if there was wiggle room because he was so moved by the offered wealth. Now, you don't see this here, but you read about Balaam in the New Testament commentary. Balaam is actually the example, the byword for greed in New Testament references. Jude 11 says this about Balaam. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily. After the error of Bal greed, wow, Balaam is <coughs> associated <coughs> with greed. He's, 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 his name is, is, is uh, you know, synonymous with greed. Ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. So it was, he, was, he was acting on, he was 
uh, uh, um, uh, working because of or for the reward or the greed or the, the wealth that was offered him. And they say, hey, better be careful not to go that way. <clears throat> Second Peter chapter 2, verse 15. Which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. That was unrighteous for him to consider doing those things or to curse God's people. He knew that God's righteousness made a clear definition, clear determination, what he should do, what he should not do, what he should be, what he should stay away from. But as it says there, he loved the wages of, un he, he, he was impressed. He was impressed by the value of what this king offered him. And so that's called the way of Balaam. But he was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb ass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. Now here in these commentaries about Balaam, we find his foundational problem. It was greed. He was swayed by wealth or gain or money or honor or position. Things he could have. Things he could get a, get a hold of with his greedy little uh, paws and, and, and hang on to gain. It's called Greed. That was his problem. That was his foundational problem. And then the most humorous account in the Bible that you'll ever read is here in Numbers chapter 22 as this, the, the story goes on where he finally, he says, okay, let me, let me try. Maybe God will allow me to go. Maybe this will happen. And, and so then the next day he finally says, he kind of convinces himself and he says, okay, I'm going to get going. I'll, I'll, I'll see. We'll see what, what happens. Maybe, you know, God will change his mind. And so he saddles up and he goes with these people in Numbers chapter 22, verse 22. <clears throat> God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass and his two servants were with him. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and his sword drawn in his hand. Now here was obviously in a different dimension. You know, the Bible talks about angels that are ministers to those who will inherit the salvation of God. That's us, you know, called guardian angels. I remember hearing about that before I ever got saved. I thought that was just fable. No, the Bible talks about guardian angels or angels that, that help or that, that actually uh, minister to, to believers, the saints. Except many times they're in a, a different realm or a different dimension. You, know, you cannot see them. Now, sometimes they do appear. But here, before they appeared to Balaam, they appeared to the donkey. <laughs> the, the donkey saw, saw the angel. Balaam did not. And this, this angel had the, 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 the wrath of God's sword in his hand. And he's ready to take Balaam out. And the donkey saw this. Verse 23, and the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way. And a sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. He's going, what's wrong with you, donkey? Get back there, you know? <laughs> and so he's, he's, he's beating him, and he said, come on, get back on, what's wrong with you? He can't see the danger. 24, but the angel of the Lord stood in a path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side, and here's the angel right in the middle, and when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself in, into the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. 
And he smote her again. You blankety-blank donkey. And he's, he's beating this thing because it, it, what in the world? Here's the path and it's crushing my foot against the, the wall. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. That's it. Nowhere to go. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, that's all she wrote. She fell down under Balaam. Wouldn't go anywhere. And Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the ass with a staff, and the Lord <laughs> opened the mouth of the ass, and she said, <laughs> the donkey speaks. What in the world? I don't know if this would be like Shrek or not, but nonetheless, this donkey spoke to Balaam. Lord, open the mouth of the ass, and she said unto Balaam, What have I done to thee? <laughs> now, I don't... I really never thought about how the donkey would have sounded, but nonetheless... <laughs> what have I done unto thee, that thou hast smitten me these three times? And Balaam stepped back, and he said, A talking donkey? No. <laughs> he talks back to it. He is so enraged. I mean, he's so mad at this. And he's got on his mind that he's, he's, you know what? See, God has spoken to him in his heart. He knows. He knows. There's no doubt. Now, don't you, don't you tell me that God doesn't speak to you that way and, and that, that he's all in, I mean, it's, it's the entire focus. You can't get away from thinking about what God said or what God's done in your life. And there's certain things that, listen, when God acts, you know it and I know it. And here he is. I'm, I'm sure he got very little sleep that last night. And he's thinking, well, you know, this and that, but I'm going to go and do my will anyway. And, and he's probably, you know, kind of afraid of the, the judgment of God at this point. And, and he's, he's, he's on, a, he's on a, a, a task. He's on a mission. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And he's so angry that when the donkey speaks to him, he speaks back to it. Verse 29, and Balaam said unto the ass, because thou hast mocked me, I would there were a sword in my hand, for now I would kill thee. And the ass said unto Balaam, Am I not thine ass upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? Was I ever wont to do so unto thee? Donkey says, What are you beating me for? I've been good to you my whole life. Have I ever done like this stuff before? And he said, No. Verse 31, and then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and a sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. Angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse, perverse before me. And the ass saw me and turned me from thee these three times. Unless she had turned from me, surely now also I had slain thee and saved her alive. And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. For I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now therefore, if it displease thee, I will get me back again. What a story. What a story when we see what's taking place here. Like you say, didn't, didn't Balaam's words sound really uh, great to begin with? He says, listen, king, I can't, I can't, if you give me uh, your, your house filled with silver and gold, I couldn't do this. 
I just got to do exactly what God asked me to do. And then he's trying to, well, maybe in the, well, you know what, and you know, and, and so he's trying to get around that. And this is, this has displeased God because he's, he's got a breach in integrity. He's going after the wages of unrighteousness. He's going after what he can get out of this thing. He's going after the, the gain that, that he's able to, to uh, 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 get out of the situation. Fast forward till we actually see how Balaam, this snake, actually found a way around cursing God's people. Now, he didn't do it in the story. He didn't flat out curse God's people. God wouldn't let him do that. But eventually he did do damage. He did do damage to the people of God, for sure, in uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse number 14. We find out here where God's people... Uh, you know, were, were disadvantaged because of the damage that he actually did to the nation of Israel. Now, we'll read this in, in uh, Numbers chapter 25 in just a, bit, in just a minute, but in Revelation 2.14, well, I'll tell you what, before we read Revelation 2.14, let's look at that, Numbers chapter 25. In Numbers chapter 25, this was after this whole situation was over, the, you know, Chapter 22, 23, 24 is where God dealt with Balaam in this whole story, unique story. And now, <clears throat> chapter 25, the very next thing that happens, this is after Balaam says what he's supposed to say and gets out of the way. And, and so you think, well, I guess Balaam uh, got off scot-free and he's okay now. No, no. Revelation, uh, Numbers chapter 25 says, and, and Israel abode in Shittim, and the, the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods. And the people did eat and bow down to their gods. And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor. That's an idol. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. Here Israel goes down. The entire nation goes down. Now you don't see the connection here. But here we, we find out about it in Revelation chapter 2.14. You know, isn't this neat where the New Testament gives commentary on the story in the Old Testament. And kind of it, it brings it up to speed. We understand. Because, and, and by the way, God can do that. A man's commentary can't do that and add to God's word. But we're talking about that was God's word and this is God's word. And it's, and it's giving more revelation, more, more knowledge here. In Revelation 2.14, here Jesus says to the church, church of Pergamos, he says, <clears throat> But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam. Now it's a doctrine. Now it's a practice. Now it's something that's in the textbooks. The, what is the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed on the idols and to commit fornication? Whoa! You mean Balaam had something to do with that, with Numbers 25, when, they, when the entire nation uh, uh, was brought down to their knees? There were some 25,000 killed in, that, in, in God's judgment there? What in the world would happen there? Well, it was because of Balaam. This is what he did. Now, he, he, he couldn't speak straight out against God's people because God wouldn't let him do that. But then here he is. Somehow, somehow he gets around. and His tactic was tarnishing their spiritual health by removing their purity to their devotion to the Lord in idolatry, in, in immorality, in fornication. His method was coined as a stand, a procedure, 
a plan of attack. It says the doctrine of Balaam. Goodness. What a snake. And it was because of the wages of unrighteousness. It was because he, he just couldn't let it go. His integrity was, was compromised. So what did we learn from the story? Well, with Balaam, I mean, it's a what not to do. But, uh, folks, just three simple things were going to be done. Number one, value divine instruction. You must, I must. Value whatever it is that God tells you, that you know. Don't question in the darkness what God has told you in the light. This is the light. And you know what? There's so many things where, where, you know, God's people go through certain things and because of some trial or because of some situation that happens and all of a sudden they don't know. No, God made clear. He says things very clearly. Uh, there's, there's some things that some of you are doing that it's just like, you know it's not right. You, you know you're, you're out of sorts. You're out of sorts with God. Questioning what you know that what God wants you to do, you know the 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 point here, value divine instruction. Just like what when Balaam heard the the instruction of the Lord, God said unto Balaam, Numbers twelve uh, twenty two twelve, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. And He says, Hey, listen, these are my people. Stay away from bringing them down, from from opposing them. And and it was clear when God is clear, do not finagle with His word. Just do it. Just do it. Some people have a, a problem with tithing. Hey, just do it. You know what? You say, Well, I can't see. You know what? I can't see most of the time either how that this is going to work for the best or how that I'm going to get out of this situation or how whatever. Just do it. Because God makes it clear the tithe is the Lord's for us to be faithful in, the, in that way, in that area. To be a soul winner. I just talking to the teenagers in Sunday school uh, last couple of uh, weeks, I was able to, to kind of go over some soul winning lessons and teach them. This is what you got to do, what you have to know about soul winning because there's people around you that you need to get to. So use these verses to do this. And so I'm asking, so anybody here, you know, from the last couple of weeks, have you, have you opened your mouth? Have you tried? Have you used it? Have you, anybody tried soul winning? One, one young man rose his hand out of 30 some kids. And you know what I'm going to say? You know what? That's okay. Everybody, everybody knows that it's hard, you know. No. No, when God says, son of man, I've placed you as the watchman. This is your job. Your job is to warn the wicked. When I say that there's danger coming, it's your job to warn the wicked, not to make them move or make them change. No, no, you're the watchman and it's your responsibility. Their blood is on your hands. Now listen, entire church, how have you been in, in soul winning and reaching out to your family, your cousin, your coworker? How has it been? Have you been a witness? Does God, does God want you to be a witness? Yes, we're to shine our light. Put it under a bushel. No, you're to be that witness. Are you that witness? What is it that's keeping you from doing exactly what God wants you to do? Is it unclear? No, it's not. I'd like to say, well, no, I, you know, actually there's, you know, wiggle room there. No, there's no wiggle room. 
or somebody that needs to go to heaven and the only way they're going to know about salvation is if you take the good news to them. It's us. It's our job, folks. It's our job. You mean you work with somebody who does not know how to go to heaven? Either by your walk or your, your words or, or your attitude or, or your silence. Does God want you to do that? Yes. I mean, is it unclear? No, it's not unclear. You know, when he says that <clears throat> the word of God, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. It's important that we're, we're exposed to the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing. And you're supposed to be in the word of God. How about being in the word of God daily? Uh, you know, preacher, you know, every once I just can't, I'm, I'm just too busy. You know, I got this, I don't have my phone with me. I don't take it into the, to the pulpit, but I've got a smartphone. And every week it tells me how, how many, I was going to say minutes, okay, hours I've spent uh, on Facebook or on, you know, email or whatever it is, the social media, you know. And some of you might not think that I'm on Facebook. I just troll, you know. I just, I, I don't ever say anything, but I'm there looking, you know. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm aghast at how much time every week it says, you've been on, that, you know, two hours this week or three hours. What? I wasted three hours of my life? Oh, but I, I can't take 10 minutes to, to crack the word of God and to be in my Bible faithfully, daily, like I'm supposed to. Thy, the entrance of thy word giveth light. Do I know that? Yes, I know that. Okay, well, what's the problem here? Really, what's the holdup? Is God clear about that? About, you know, the, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Listen, that's the Bible. We need to learn the Bible. We need to expose ourselves to the Bible. We need to grow in faith by reading, you know, taking the word of God. Uh, 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 as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that she may grow thereby. I want to grow. Have you been in the word of God every day? Well, you know, preacher is not, you know, just not like I should. Why? Is it unclear? Whether, whether it be, you know, fidelity to the word of God or to soul winning or your finances. You know, the Bible says love the Lord first with everything that you got. Matthew 22, that's what Jesus said in Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. With all thy soul, with all thy mind, this is the first and the greatest commandment. If you forget everything else, just do that. You know what? That's everything. Love the Lord supremely. Do you do that? You can, you can say whatever you want to say, you know what? But in our schedule, in our finances, in our walk, in our words, that's where it really comes out. Okay. Point number one that we learned from Balaam, this story. Value divine instruction. If God says something and it's clear, value that. Don't second guess it. Don't try to get around it like he did. Don't try to, you know, whatever. Value divine instruction. Number two, value obedience to God. You know, that's doing it. You, you hear what God says and now just do it. Numbers 22, 18. Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, if Balak will give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. That's obeying. If he would have just stayed there, just obey. 
value obedience. If he just kept this, if he just meant it with all of his heart. But obedience to God always costs us something for Balaam. It costs him the riches that he would uh, uh, avoid, that, he would, that he, he would miss out on. He wouldn't get that salary. He wouldn't get that gig. He wouldn't get this. You know what? He would have maybe been on easy street the rest of his life if he just would have went along with King Balak. And so what he did was he, he because of greed, he, he went on after that thing. But you know something, folks? Obedience does cost everybody something. Mark it down. Plan on it. Plan on it. Obedience. Schedule for the cost. Obedience costs something. Your purity will cost you something. Did you know that? Your purity. We're talking about integrity here. That means what you look at on social media, the sites you go to, the movies you watch, the music you listen to, the friends that you're around. You want to be pure and used for God, strong for God. It's going to cost you. you got to value obedience to God. That means obedience to God has got to be more important than your, what my desire is. God, you want me to be pure? You want me to love you? You want me to do these things? Well, that means I'm going to have to change some things. I value obeying you more than anything else, and so value your obedience. Three things. Number one, value divine instruction. Number two, value obedience to God. And number three, value integrity. <clears throat> you remember what God said about Job? It says, There's none like him in the earth, perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God, escheweth evil. And he says... And the thing about Job, he held fast his integrity. What, what a great word, integrity. Integrity speaks of our faithfulness, our consistency with God. May God see our consistency, our fidelity to him, our integrity. I, People, I want God to look at this preacher, to look at this Christian and say, there's a man of integrity. I don't know that, I don't know that he can do that, though. I want that. You know what? I'm going to make it my desire, my determination right now from this point on. I'm going to value the integrity that God sees in me. Every man has a price. What is your price? What is my price? I'd like to say, nope, it doesn't matter. I'd like to say what, what Balaam said, except mean it. It doesn't matter. Whatever, whatever happens, I'm, I'm going to be faithful to God. I'm going to just do what God wants me to do. Integrity. Every head bowed. Nobody looking for just a moment.